Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. Will you join me in prayer? Lord, as you as you enter Jerusalem, you enter our hearts. May we be responsive, O Lord, to your will. May we allow our lives to be transformed and changed according to what you have planned for each and every one of us. Prepare us, O Lord, for your kingdom. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. It was so good to hear Mo's voice just now singing. and You need to know, we, we wanted Mo to be here in person if we possibly could. And, and yet, discretion is a better part of valor. And Mo instead gave us that tape. And, and, and Billy put it into a, that, that video that you saw. And we're so grateful to have that much of Mo's presence with us this morning. Our text this morning is, of course, about Jesus entering Jerusalem. From the Gospel of John, hear the word of God. News that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, praise God, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, Don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. His disciples didn't understand at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. Many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. That was the reason so many went out to meet him, because, he, they, because they had heard about this miraculous sign. Then the Pharisees said to each other, Look, there's nothing we can do. The whole world has gone after him. And God had his understanding to this hearing of his word. Recently, I've thought about, when I was a little kid at home, how mom would save everything. If she used tin foil, she would fold it up when she was done, even wax paper. I remember they would used things many times before they had lost their usefulness. But it was rare that I saw mom throw a piece of tin foil away. And that's what she learned from the Depression years. That time of great, of great loss and hardship for so many. She grew up on a farm, so they had food, but they had to preserve everything else. And, and dad never talked about those years, but my grandfather raised six kids through the Depression 
selling life insurance. I can't imagine a, a harder task than something like that, but they all went through it. I do remember dad telling me that at Christmas time, he received in his stocking, and all the kids received in their stockings, one gift, and that was all there was. They did have a tree, but all they had was one gift, and that was an orange from California. And he was so happy to get it. But the, the time of depression was a time of great loss, a time of trying to do everything possible to survive. And their response, it seems, might have been different than ours. Their response was conservation. They conserved everything they could. Now, if you've tried to go to Sam's Club or Costco or almost anywhere, it seems that our response has been consumption more than conservation. Maybe we'll get to that conservation time. But our response has been largely a consumptive response. And it's because perhaps we have a sense that if we just have enough stuff, we'll be okay. We'll be secure. Someone shared with me that this is exposing, this whole experience is exposing us and our idolatry of security. That that is, a, that is a, an idolatry that, that we are finding out that we have. I, I shared recently in a, a little post that I did about how God comes to us and he demonstrates reality to us. In this case, it was the judgment of God in the book of Amos of a plumb line. And what that plumb line did is demonstrate by its straightness, our crookedness. By its clarity, our blindness. And so we're in a time where we can actually experience something very good at the hand of God. And that is that we have our idolatries exposed. It's interesting, when the people of God left Egypt, they were told to leave their idols behind. Some of them brought their idols, but their instruction was to leave all that stuff behind. If we're going to follow God, we've got to leave that stuff behind. And sometimes, over time, well, we become comfortable with our idolatries, with our idols. They give us that sense of security. And now we don't feel secure. Now we, we go outside and, and we're now told, even outside in public, we should probably wear a mask. And maybe the mask that we might decide to put on is going to cover a mask that we otherwise wear. And that is that mask of expectancy that mask of entitlement, that mask that says that somehow this is how it's supposed to be, the way it was, and the way it is right now, well, this is an aberration. And it is an aberration. But maybe it'll take away from us that sense that we are somehow entitled to something in this life and for this life. Maybe it'll be a time for us to rediscover what it is to, to belong to one another by missing one another. I was out on a walk this week and I was walking along a canal. And frankly, I don't like walking that much. It's just boring to me. I don't like being bored. 
<laughs> but I was walking along one of these canals and I looked down and there were these big fish in there. And then I walked further on and there, were, there was a big turtle on the side of that canal and then another one swimming nearby. And I thought, how wonderful, how beautiful this is and how many years have I lived here and I've missed such little things as that. And it's nice in our neighborhoods, we're seeing people out walking more. We see people out biking. Maybe this is a time for us to be restored to our right relationship with God, with his creation, with one another, reaching out in ways that we can. But what has to happen for all of us, and this happens in different times and different ways, is for those expectations to get shattered, for our idolatries to be, to be dashed on the ground. Well, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, that's exactly what he did. He dashed all kinds of expectations. He destroyed all of their idols. He, uh, it's actually a rather almost comical scene. He borrows a little donkey and puts a blanket over its back. And Jesus gets on the back of this donkey and rides into Jerusalem. And it's hard to look dignified on a donkey, large or small. And so he's on the back of this donkey kind of bouncing into town. And people expect him, they have expectations of what a king looks like, of what a Messiah is supposed to be. And so they come out with their palm branches and they lay their palm branches and coats on the ground so that Jesus goes through all of this and they're all yelling and screaming, Hosanna, finally, our king has come. Finally, our expectations are going to be fulfilled. Finally, we're going to have peace and prosperity. Finally, Israel is going to be, going to be reestablished. Finally, Rome is going to be cast out. And Jesus comes into Jerusalem. And if anyone looked closely, they would notice that he was weeping. Because they didn't get it. The people didn't get it. The Pharisees said, well, look, the whole world's going after him. What are we going to do? He's so popular. We're going to have an uprising on our hands. We've got to keep peace and security here. They're afraid. And the Romans, interesting. After Julius Caesar, his son Octavius declared himself Augustus and declared his father Julius Caesar divine, which made him the son of God. And then after him, Tiberius likewise takes on the title Augustus. And so the Roman leaders have transitioned from more of a republic form of government to a, a divine leadership form of government, a, if you will, a dictatorship that is top down from Rome. And the Roman emperors are divine, sons of God. And so Jesus comes into Jerusalem as the son of God. So he is subverting Rome's expectations and all that they want to see out of Palestine. And likewise, 
because he is coming in in a manner that will demonstrate how fouled up the expectations of the religious leadership is, how their expectations are, are just so off that, that God was going to establish a first century state of Israel and that they were going to then rule the world. So Jesus, when he rode into Jerusalem, had to deal with the fact that the expectations of people were going to be dashed. And yet, somehow, in the midst of all of that, our Lord was determined to make sure that his people still had hope. That they might look beyond that which they were experiencing and have hope knowing that God is the one who's in control, not Rome and certainly not the temple. God is the one who's in control. And the reign of God is going to come not by power, but by love and by sacrifice. The reign of God will come through mutual caring and mutual understanding. And the reign of God comes not by the the rising up of some great military or governmental leader. But the reign of God comes through the self-sacrifice of himself through his son. And in that, somehow the people would find hope that, the, that, that God understands their situation, that the Lord enters in to their hardship and their times of, of struggle, that the Lord is with them through it all. William McRaven, in his book, Make Your Bed, tells a story about how all the SEALs in training had to go through this very hard time, and a hard time where they were in a thick area of a, of a river estuary between San Diego and Tijuana, and there they were down in the mud, and it was thick and cold and miserable. And for a full week without sleep, they had to slog their way in through this mud with endless exercises and calisthenics and, and all of that. And they were so awfully miserable. And by Wednesday night, they were only halfway through. And they said, all you have to do is come up here, we need five of you to come out and then we will bring this all to an end. They needed five to quit. And so McRaven is talking about how a guy next to him started out and he grabbed his arm and he wouldn't let him go, but he pulled his arm away and, and started forward. And then another man, one of the other seals, then stuck in the mud started singing. And I guess it was a, a bit of an obscene song. And everyone happened to know the words. But all the seals started singing together in the mud, in the cold, in the night. They all started singing. And that seal trainee turned around and came back and stood, stood next to McRaven. And he himself started singing the song. Reminded me of the Apostle Paul in Philippi who 
got thrown into jail and it was midnight and they were, he had just been beaten by the people, but he was singing in jail because he knew that the Lord was God and the Lord would provide deliverance. The Lord would be with them. So in those times when hope seems to be lost, we start singing. We sing of the glory of God. We sing and declare that he is Lord despite whatever mud we find ourselves in, whatever hard circumstance and situation has beset us. And so McRaven writes about General John Kelly, who himself would meet these families as they came to Dover Air Force Base to meet their their sons or daughters who had been killed in active duty. And how John Kelly, who had lost his own son, somehow had the ability to be with them and to give them hope and encouragement in the midst of their deep, dark, cold loss. He says, with hope you can inspire nations to greatness. With hope you can raise up the downtrodden. With hope you can ease the pain of unbearable loss. Sometimes all it takes is one person to make a difference. We all find ourselves neck deep in mud. That is the time to sing loudly, to smile broadly, to lift up those around you, and to give them hope that tomorrow will be a better day. So Jesus, in coming to his people, as he did, didn't reinforce all of their expectations. As a matter of fact, what he did was zero out their faith. Their faith, which was based and rooted in all kinds of things about the ascendancy of Israel or the power of Rome, all of that was leveled out. Their faith was made to be nothing. And instead, he gave them hope. He gave them a vision for that which was in front of them. By demonstrating what it was to be not a conquering king messiah, but a servant messiah, a suffering servant messiah. Like that written about by the prophet Isaiah, the one who would come, who would be despised and rejected, who would bear the sins of the world upon himself. I mean, what's going on when, when people on Sunday are declaring Hosanna is blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord and just four days later are yelling, crucify him, crucify him. What's going on with our fickle flesh that when we don't get our way, when our, violet, when our, when our expectations are violated, when our sense of entitlement is no longer intact, when we have to cast down those idols that we have held to be so important, that we would yell out, crucify. So Jesus, as our prophet, when he was on trial, spoke not a word. 
as our priest, when he walked through those final days, did so in a manner that gave us a sense of what suffering and love looked like. And as our king wore the crown of thorns, our prophet, our priest, our king, not what we were expecting, but in him, we can still hope beyond the realities of what this life presents to us. The Apostle Paul says that hope that is seen is not hope. We hope in that which we do not see. But what we do see is God who's come to us and has given himself as a sacrifice for many. Will you join me in prayer? And oh, Father, a God who sacrifices, God who sends his son who dies after being brutally beaten and suffering so intensely, how do we understand this? We don't. And so we accept. Even now as we come to the time where we share your table together, we ask, O oh Lord, that you might, more than giving us understanding, give us hope. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. On the night our Savior was betrayed, when he had given thanks, he took bread and broke it. And offering it to his disciples, he said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat and do this remembering me. In like manner, our Savior also took the cup and said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you show forth my death until I come again. Come to the table of our Lord.
join me in prayer. Oh, Father, we thank you for the gift of your son. We thank you, O oh Lord, for his love and power manifests through his love. And we ask that all of our ways of defining and organizing our world might be reordered according to your ordering we might see your world in a manner that sees the mystery, sees the wonder, sees that this is passing away and, and the reality of what you have established is breaking in. May we see likewise one another in a new way, seeing one another as created in your image and likeness and prepped for eternity. We ask this, O Lord, and ask that you would hear us even now as we pray as your Son taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
dear brothers and sisters, go in peace, live by faith, and may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and in the life everlasting. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.